Hello. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. I look, I look like I've taken you by surprise. <laughs> you did a bit. <laughs> I shouldn't have your idea. Oh, sorry, sorry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, fine. It's been a while. So, welcome to the November episode of The Influencers with Chris Jones and my wonderful guest this month is someone we were just discussing now. We haven't seen each other for so many years. It's over 10 years. Um, Andrea, Andrea Byrne, um, welcome, first of all, Croiso. Well, thank you very much for having me. It seems unbelievable since we've just been discussing that we do not live very far from each other either. So exactly. We've uh, probably been walking dogs on the same beach. <laughs> we probably even. have, yeah. As you say, we could have done this on the beach, but there we are. <laughs> um, now, Andrea, you, you're, a, you're a TV presenter, you're a newsreader, uh, you've been in the media for quite a while. But well, I do my research, Andrea, and I went on your website. And uh, I have to quote something to you. Uh, in her spare time, she writes, reads, runs, and is a keen stand-up paddleboarder. But I'm presuming that you haven't really got that much time anymore to do any of these things. Am I right? Well, no, not too much time. You know, I, I always dread when someone says, I've been looking at your website and I'm thinking, well, what am I put on there? <laughs> Um, in fact, the paddleboarding, I've, I've made a mission uh, the last month or two. I decided I was, I, I bought a board in 2016 and I was, I was doing it quite a lot then and then um, fell pregnant with Jemima, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, stopped doing it for quite a while. And I thought, right, this summer I am going to start paddleboarding again. So that one I have, I have been trying to do, um, but I left it a bit late in the summer because obviously now the weather has turned, yeah, hasn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. But you were a runner. I remember uh, in the ITV days, I think you were a runner then, but I, I think you've run a marathon and a couple of half marathons as well. Are you still trying to Good run? Good memory. Uh, mm. Yes, I, I've done a few of the Cardiff halves and some other halves in Clenetley and also the World Harps in London. And, and then my big thing on my bucket list was to do a marathon. So um, I did the New York marathon, oh gosh, quite a few years ago now. Oh, but yeah. that was, um, I did that for McMillan Cancer. And um, oh, what a wonderful, uplifting experience, although obviously very painful as well. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. just, just, just an amazing day. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate your, your, your time. I know you're a very, very busy lady. And uh, I really want to talk about your experiences uh, with, with Jemima. How old is Jemima, by the way? She's just over two and a half now. Two and a half. Oh, my word. All right. My kids have all grown up and fled the coop, so we're in a different world. But I've been there. I have been there. <laughs> so um, can I, first of all, take you back, if, if, if you don't mind, to, to, to school days? Now, you're from Guildford originally, yes? Now, have you ever been compared to um, Gavin and Stacey with you and your husband? <laughs> I'm not so much, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, there's always a first. There is there? that comparison, isn't it, really? Well, I came to Wales um, primarily for work, really, but it's about, oh gosh, nearly 15 years ago now. Yeah. So, but yeah, my family is still um, based in, okay. in kind of the well, southeast. So. When you were in school, were you a, were you a confident girl? Were you a studious girl? Sporty? Were you a career minded? What was what was school days like? You know, I think I was always destined to be a journalist because us journalists sit on the fence, don't we? And we, we kind of have a foot in both camps and we try to be really diplomatic and tell the story from both sides. Well, I think at school I was a bit the same. I kind of had really? a foot in every, every camp, so I tried to do the sporty bit. I tried to do the academic bit and yeah and I was always the, the, the narrator at the, at the nativity you know or the Christmas carol service <laughs> right, okay well never the actor just the narrator 
yeah, I, I always remember doing the readings or doing the narrating, yeah. So I suppose that kind of fits with um, what happened later on in life. So is, is that where, you know, the interest in, in journalism, I suppose, in general and, and, and media and politics started maybe in school and in university as well? I think it probably started, well, it actually started, if I'm going to go way, way back when I was a, a kid. I remember um, well, I did a school newspaper when I was 12. Um, but I also remember, you know, doing that old thing where you've got, because <laughs> some people are going to be too young for it uh, to remember this, but you know the double cassette players where oh, you could yeah, record yeah, yeah. in one and, and play you tunes You know that, in. oh, surely you can't remember that, surely. <laughs> oh, surely not. Um, I remember doing that. I remember doing kind of little radio shows and, and um, playing my music and, and making oh, wow. tapes. <laughs> so I suppose, yeah, there, there was inklings of it, but... I never thought, I'd, oh, that's definitely what I want to do. I want to be a journalist. But there were definitely signs there, I guess, looking back. OK. And what did you study in university and where? English literature at Southampton University. Oh, OK, right. And then you've, you've gone on to do, uh, I think, journalism and politics as well, haven't you, uh, in, in other things? Yeah. So I did I did a um, post-grad in broadcast journalism um, and some stuff with the Open University around politics. And um, and yes, and then, then yeah, I, I, I was thinking at one stage of doing law um but it kind of all changed when i was at university and i, I changed, changed my mind i think okay but I, i'm presuming you were um without sounding condescending you were a good girl yes <laughs> um wow uh <laughs> oh. i had i had my moments none of which i'm able to share now without no. incriminating myself but um but yeah i think i probably was because i don't think you can do the job that i do now without kind of behaving because you're that you're that public face aren't you and you oh, okay. are preaching certain things on the news and telling people how to behave in a way especially during the pandemic sure. I suppose you know when you're telling people all these rules and you can't really be that person who's the rebel off screen can you you've kind uh, of so, got to be the person uh, who sticks to the rules yeah I suppose not do, do, do you have an inkling to, to, to be a bit rebellious sometimes do you have to <laughs> do, do you have a, a you know the sort of desire to say oh sod it I'm just gonna say what I want to say do you oh, not feel a little bit hard yeah. I don't think I can ever really say what I want to say, really. But in life generally, of course, I've got that sense of, oh, I just, I just want to do something, you know, take a bit more of a risk. But, you know, if you, I, I, yin and yang attract, don't they? I think I'm not yeah. a risk taker in comparison to my husband. He's definitely the, the more of the risk taker in, in our relationship. <laughs> OK, OK. <laughs> well, I, I know your, your first journalism uh, job was with, was it with County Sound Radio? It, it no, that, was. That sound, you have that done your like, research. Well, yeah, you? that sounds like something out of Alan Partridge, County Sound Radio. So, what was was it a good start in the career? What was explain what that was about? It was actually, and it was a, a group of radio stations as well. So, I started on a really uh, a small uh, local radio station called Delta, um, which was part of that network. Um, and I started writing bulletins and reading the news on there. And then I I did some stuff on the central one which was based it was kind of their headquarters I suppose which oh, is right. on County Sound and and the Eagle um and really that I, I cut my teeth in really learning how journalism works there because I was freelancing there um before I, I got um a proper job and probably whilst I was doing my postgrad I should think so I'm always really appreciative to I really remember that yeah. team so well the people who kind of taught me things um about writing and about the angles on a story um, and really made me understand sure. um, what you needed to get as good story. Really. A, a good place to start this, sort of almost at the, at the bottom of the ladder, as it were, and, you know, getting to know the business, getting to know people and working your way up. And it's a good place to cut your teeth, as it were, yes? Yeah. Like, for example, recently I was reflecting on it, actually, because we've just had this petrol shortage, haven't we? Um, and um, I remember it was when I was at County Sound that we had the petrol crisis. Do you remember all those years ago when similar I, things happened I on I the forecourts? Yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know... Ha- 
there was this long running story. So we had to find different ways of telling that story over a long period of time. And that was my one of my very first experiences of having to do that, find those different ways of telling a long running story. So things like that, really, you just kind of learn those methods and learn how to see things from different angles. I mean, I'm sure it was a, a great place to start, but the, then you went a, a completely different uh, rung of the ladder, as you were, because your ITV career then started with, I think it was Meridian... Meridian, oh, I really have done my research. Have I? Meridian <laughs> Tonight in 2004, again, reporter. And again, you must have thought, oh my God, this is it. I, I've reached the I've reached the plateau. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be for the rest of my life, a reporter with ITV, which is, a you know, with all respect to County Sound, a big name. Well, it was very exciting. And it was actually a friend, a dear friend of mine who um, is the presenter now for ITV Meridian. Uh, thank you to Barbara. And she worked at County Sound with me and she went to ITV and um, it was really through her going to ITV and me realising, oh, that could be a possibility, you know, when you see somebody who you look up to doing something that you might want to do, it gives you that um, ambition, really, to go for it yourself. And so, yeah, she was a great influence for me, actually. Um, And we're really good friends now. So, um, yeah, it was was amazing to to get a job in ITV. And then, okay, so ITV from Meridian and and England. You then came to Wales, God's own country, Andrea, in what, 2007, 2008, I think it was, and you, you were, I think you went through the interview process, you beat a lot of people and, and became a, a news anchor and presenter on ITV Wales with people like Jonathan Hill and, and uh, who else was there? Ruth was there and she, all kind of, but were you a little, were you a little nervous maybe coming from, and I'm not being in any way disingenuous here, a, a face on English TV to all of a sudden becoming a face on Welsh TV, not the language Welsh, obviously, but you know, it, it's a, it is a little bit different maybe from the English way of things are doing on the Welsh because there's that relationship between England and Wales. And honestly, you know, w- w- was that a nervous time? Were you, were you, were you looking forward? Were you excited? Were you, were you just nervous about it all? I think there was probably a sense of naivety um, to a degree, uh, which looking back now, I was glad I didn't realize the full weight on on my shoulders of what I was was doing because yes I had this experience working in England in an ITV region but coming to Wales and you know you're reporting on the affairs of a government you're reporting on a nation it's it's very different and 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 there is a different responsibility to it I think and a different edge to the news so and also coming as you say from England into Wales it's understanding all sorts of different things about the culture here and although I I do have some Welsh ancestry, you know, in, in the dim and distant past. <laughs> right. it, it's, it's not like living here and breathing it, is it? And, and knowing what, what makes a country tick. And, and maybe certain words as well. I, I can think of words like senedd and, and maybe place names and things to get your tongue around that, which, with all respect, maybe word used to, and Meridian, obviously. Yeah, I had to learn all, all of that. And um, ITV were great and they gave me really good guidance on it. Um, but I was, I'm quite, like you say, I, <laughs> in terms of being a goody two-shoes, I was quite determined to get that right because... Um, I, I knew how important that would be to people. I had to get that right. So yeah. I hope I do uh, most of the time. I mean, even now, though, there'll be names that, that crop up, which I always check twice, sometimes three times, because, you you know, there's place names in Wales which might be pronounced locally one way, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. nationally uh, people will say it a different way. And, yeah. and you're not always going to be able to please everybody, but I hope I please the majority of people yeah. most of the time. <laughs> I, I, I think you do. And even with as a Welsh speaker, I still get it wrong, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But... <laughs> That's a relief to know. <laughs> Thank you. 
but then your 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 Welsh links obviously became even stronger because uh, you married uh, Lee Byrne, uh, Welsh international, uh, Lions rugby player, of course. As I say, you might have been compared to the Gavin and Stacey uh, <laughs> program, maybe. But um, did that then make you f- feel more Welsh? Does that sound stupid? No, I mean, I mean, Lee is Welsh through and through. Let's face it. Didn't you? At the end of the day. So d- d- have you become more Welsh because of that, maybe? Well, Chris, it was all part of the plan to, ah. <laughs> to be accepted and into the, ah, okay. <laughs> in, into the uh, fabric of Welsh life. No, um, I, it was it was strange, really, because I, um, I remember the first year I was presenting in Wales was 2008. And if you remember 2008, it was a Grand Slam year in the end. Oh, um, and uh, the Six Nations of, of that year, I remember thinking, right, this is another thing I've really, really got to get right. I've, I, I, I knew what a passion, what a religion almost rugby was for Wales. So I was determined to learn all the members of the team, know exactly what I was talking about. Oh, wow. So I had this, you know, the photo that comes in the, you, you know, the, the spread in the, in the, in the paper uh-huh. of, all, of the team, the squad picture. I had it up on the wall and next to my desk, had all these names there. And I remember you know, talking uh, with people through the names. And obviously one of those was Lee and, and obviously several of his friends now, like Mike and Hookie, who, who I know now. So it seems really weird now that, you know, I had those names up on the wall. I was kind of learning them. <laughs> um, and then two years later, you know, we were on a date. So it's, it's very yeah. strange how the world works, isn't it? It, it sure is, right. Okay, wow, that's amazing. That's so interesting. Well, listen, before we go on, if we, um, if we may, to talk about what your influence at the moment uh, and what you're doing with your podcast and... The, the, the influence you have on people who are going through what you've been through. Do you mind if I give you a quick fire question? I'm going to give you 10 quick fire questions. I never tell people beforehand, otherwise they get too <laughs> nervous about it. So I'm going to give you 10 quick fire questions. You can elaborate, you can explain if you really want it. So I'm going to put the clock on now. Now, this is pretty obvious, okay? This is a daft question for you because the first question is <laughs> rugby or football? <laughs> rugby. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that, I suppose, do you? Yeah, yeah. Are you a, a glass half full or half empty kind of person? Oh, I like to think I'm neither. I'm a realist and I go right no, in the no, middle. Well, hang on, no. I know you're a journalist, okay? And I know you miss goody two shoes, but you can't sit on the fence with every single one of these, okay? So, okay. are you a glass That's, half full? Is that full? my only one? I'm yeah, not, no, I'm no, 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 no. Glass half full or glass half empty? But I, you've had a bit of both, maybe, yeah? A bit like me. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I that's try fine. my best. I preach that we should be glass half full but I can't say I always manage it no it's difficult though isn't it sometimes yeah okay uh, documentaries or a bit of reality bit of trash TV oh I've got to say documentaries okay but are you prone sometimes to a bit of Love Island or something or? well you know it's the ITV brand so I've got to say I've got to say you know, oh, Love Island oh, is great haven't I yeah. <laughs> alright uh, okay, okay. No, but if I'm honest no I, I am I'm more of a documentary um, girl I, and I you know I present Wales this week so yeah. no, that's where my heart is yeah. really no, fair enough okay uh, red wine or red uh, white wine red okay who do you think you admire most is there one person that stands up and comes to your head straight away oh wow I know, it's a big question, I know. <laughs> That's a really big question. Um, there's so many. But who would be on the top of your list, if you like? like in, in, a, in a professional or a personal capacity? Really? Do you know, there is somebody who um, who sort of springs to my mind just as a, an inspiration in, in handling really, really difficult situations. And it's, it's an interview that, that I did, and it's one of the ones that, you know, has always stuck with me. Um, and it's a lady called Anna Louise Bates. I don't know whether you, you, you've heard the name, but she she has set up a charity called Believe Organ Donor Donation Support because she um, she lost her husband and her son and they were knocked over um, in a car uh, car accident. Um, 
uh, before Christmas a few years ago, and I'm now a trustee of, of her charity, actually. And um, she sprung to, I hadn't really, you know, as you say, you don't brief us on the questions, so it's not something I'd had a chance to, no, to no, think no, about. No. But when you said who springs to mind, she immediately sprang to mind because okay. it's one of the most poignant interviews I've ever done because we did a documentary with her and that's how my connections with her came about. Sure. Um, and I ended up being then connected with the charity and I, I've just always hugely respected and admired the way she has not coped, because I'm sure she doesn't feel like she's always coping, but managed her situation and tried to turn it into something positive to help others. Okay, that's good. It's, it's you know almost the, the first person that comes to mind is is probably the right person. Um, walking in the mountains or walking in the beach? Oh, beach. Yeah. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night. Uh, not good in the mornings, Andrea. Absolutely terrible in the mornings. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we won't elaborate. Now I think I know the answer to this: dogs or cats. Dogs. Yes. I'm have. actually allergic to cats. Cats are lovely, but I have an allergy. So. Uh, yeah. But you have a dog. Remind me the the dog. I actually have, <laughs> which is related to what we'll get onto. I'm sure about fertility and stuff. But we actually have three dogs. <laughs> oh my word! Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, what 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 breed are they? They're miniature schnauzers. Oh, that's it. Yes, yes. I didn't know that. Uh, tea or coffee? Tea. Hot climate or wintry climate? Oh, hot. I think if I had the option. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Who was your first childhood crush yeah <laughs> I don't now mean... i do know this i oh, do God, know this right, okay because i've since interviewed him and admitted it to him um oh, again God. i'm sure you don't think i'm old enough but marty pello of wet 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 oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah i can see that yeah posters on the wall and everything oh yeah yeah oh, what? did you actually tell him how did he react to that oh it was quite embarrassing <laughs> I, I remember for that. him or you <laughs> i think he thought i'd been stalking him ever since <laughs> <laughs> oh my word, okay. Um, and when was the last time you danced? Oh, um, well, I danced with my toddler quite a lot, just you know, randomly in the living room, um, because she's just so adorable at the moment with, with wanting to just jump about. But uh, properly dancing, we had a, a good gathering, um, you know, when everything had recently, very recently died down in the pandemic and we were allowed to yeah. dance again with some friends, which was really great and had a lot of 80s music involved. <laughs> oh yeah, well, there's always 80s music involved. Okay, okay, so thank you so much. Let, let's go on then, if we may, and talk about your experiences, if you like. Now, you've spoken fairly recently, I suppose, quite honestly, quite openly about your experiences about becoming parents, not having any luck, uh, forgive me if that's not right, but IVF treatment, you know, what was there? What, do you feel a huge pressure on yourself and as a couple to become parents? Well, I felt a huge pressure. Um, and as we looked further into it, it was, it became quite obvious that it was me that had the issues that need issues um, that needed, needed um, resolving. Um, so I suppose, you know, anyone who's been through this and experienced it will, will understand, you know, that that comes with that, yes, that pressure. And then that sense of guilt that you're not kind of fulfilling what you need to fulfill as a woman or as a couple and um and then you know also the, all those things that sense of failure as well it's all wrapped up in just for, for, yeah. for, for both it's of you pretty rubbish for, feelings yeah for, for both of you did you have parents and family was oh when 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 were we going to hear the tiny path of the feet and that kind of thing oh, i have to say our family they weren't they weren't they were really good with that we didn't really have that so much i think it was just it was probably more from people just you know in those professional networking or business situations where people just ask those the question do you have children because it's just natural isn't it and nobody means anything by it no, but no. when you're really going through something and it's so hard you just don't even know how to begin to answer or, or how to brush that off or how to address it um and some people have even said to me when are you going to have children um in that and i, oh, I just really? ended up 
being quite flippant in my response and I used to say oh I didn't realize you could mail order them okay okay I I know that sounds like a harsh response but it kind of shut things down straight away because you know who knows when they're going to have children you 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 can't you can't order them uh, well uh, well maybe you can these days I'm not sure (laughs) so so how did you deal with that you talked about the dogs now am am I am I saying that the dogs were were instead or children or or, or Um, how do you deal with because I think we always hoped that we still would be successful at some point, although you just never know, of course. Of course and that's one of the hardest things is not knowing, carrying on and not knowing. But I, I, Lee was paying in France um, for three years and I went over there for a year um, as part of that. That's it. And yeah. Um, we, yeah, we were having problems then. And uh, I can't even remember how it came about now, but, but we both agreed we wanted to, to get, we thought it would be a good idea if we were going to get a dog and a puppy to do it when I was off work so that, you know, someone was there to... Yeah. To, to help within the, the nights when they're no, crying like a baby and all those types of things. <laughs> um, so, so it came about that we got a dog when we were there. And then um, we both thought that one needed company. So we got another one um, whilst I was off as well in that period of time. Um, and then actually the third dog we got, it, it, it did come about as a result of um, we, we lost a pregnancy. And I just remember Lee, I just remember him. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to help. And I remember him just a few weeks later just saying, I'm just going to my phone up a breeder. Let's get another puppy. And it was, as I said earlier, he's a bit of more of a risk taker and quite impulsive. And I think equally it was, he felt quite helpless and it was his way of just trying to do something to to help with the situation, which sounds, I know sounds ridiculous. No, no, do you know what? It really doesn't sound ridiculous at all. It really doesn't. But I mean, it must have taken its toll on you both, Andrew, because I mean, after years of, you know, IVF, you had treatments, you had doctor's appointments and all kinds of of things and, and maybe, you know, having hope and then losing the hope. Was there a point when you said, right, enough's enough, that's it. We've decided, we, we've accepted, that's it. It's not going to happen. Was there a, was, was that a, was there a point? I think there were some some points which we we, we just, you know, there's also, there's finances plus mental health, all sorts of things, the toll on your relationship, all of these things you've got to take into account. And I think there was a point where I remember Lee turning around and saying to me, um, it's okay. Um, and I, I well up when I think about it now because it was kind of um, a green light for me to think, okay he 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 feels what I'm feeling and he gets it and he said oh, it's, it's okay we'll plan a different future we'll plan a different life and for me that was just kind of overwhelming wow. as okay right where do we go from here Boy. that says a lot about him as a man as a person as an individual that he 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 loved you so much that he, he understood what you were going through he, he wanted to to be with you obviously but if it wasn't going to happen it wasn't going to happen Forgive my ignorance here. How how common is it then for for people for couples to have these difficulties? Are there statistics? Yeah, it's really common actually. I'm probably going to get my stats wrong here, but I think it's um, one in six couples at any one time are going through it. And um, it, it's I think I think I'm right in saying in in the UK it's, it's three million people affected at any one time. So yeah, it's well, it's, it's hugely it is hugely common um, because infertility is like a, it's you know as you as you know it's a whole spectrum of things, isn't it? From it could be male infertility or it could be could maybe be because even someone's had cancer or you know it's, it's not one size fits all there's so many different types yeah. of problems and, and and issues that that can affect things so yeah and, and that that's why I started the podcast because I, I just wanted to normalize the conversation and for everybody to talk about it a bit more yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and it's not just you know it's 2021 it's not just traditional inverted commas couples these days is it it's you know same-sex couples and, and things have changed in that respect 
But is there still is there still a stigma? Is there still a taboo regarding IVF, regarding not being able to conceive in traditional methods, if you like? I think there is a stigma. And I think in terms of people feel awkward talking about it, I still don't think it would be something, although we are getting more to that place, I don't think it's something you would you know, stop by the water cooler at work and, and have a chat about where, and, and people still don't understand necessarily when to ask questions or what to ask or, or, you know, how, all sorts of other levels to it as well, isn't there about how we, how it's dealt with in the workplace. And there's lots of, there's lots of levels, there's lots of layers to it in terms of the stigma and, and why it needs talking about more, I think. But as you say, I, I, maybe it's not a water cooler, man, but, but is it becoming more so? It's becoming more acceptable, lesser taboo. Do people talk about, you know, men don't like talking about their bits, let's face it. But but do you uh, do, do couples feel more comfortable if like talking about well sex at the end of the day and and, and yeah. uh, be you know uh, traditional methods of conceiving? Is, is it becoming less so? I think that that's what I always say because it's about sex. It's about grief. It can be about mental health. All these things which we don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about um, are wrapped up in this whole fertility conversation. Mm. But I think it is getting better. And and when we first started having problems definitely the the influence of social media was not so prevalent at all now there's so many helpful groups or um ways that you can interact on social media to get help and people do talk about it more on all those different platforms so i know social media has its downfalls and its pitfalls but in terms of raising awareness about things and talking about things which maybe need to be talked about more because you can be anonymous on there there's lots of people who have accounts for instance on instagram who are going through it but they just have anonymous accounts where they can tell their story and I think it helps them feel less alone. Ah, right. So, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's so it has helped in that respect. I, I, and, and talking, I mean, I, I've I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer myself, okay? And, and I've learned so much. But the biggest thing I've learned is to talk about it all. And men don't like talking. Women like talking. Fair enough, maybe. But uh, talking, that must be the first point of of you know contact us but that's what you must do first is talk about it yeah yeah it's interesting you say that about men because lee was far more private about it than me and really didn't want us to talk about it and it was only after we'd had jemima that and we started to reach out a little bit and we got this overwhelming response of, of people who were in a similar situation or was so glad that we'd opened up and they could share their story that he realized how influential it could be to do that mm. um and there's an episode on the the podcast which he uh, features on with a guy called Kevin Button, who's who's got these this platform called the Man Cave, who um, is is opening up the conversation for men. Um, so that's that's that was really enlightening to me to to find that there's people who are doing that and then starting to do it well, even for men. So it's it's getting yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're both being, you know, it's, it's such important, it's such influential stuff you're doing. But so, but then, Andrea, all of a sudden, you were pregnant. Oh. So I, I, I do, without being crude, how did that happen? Well, goodness me. I don't know. Well, I do know, obviously. <laughs> but to this day, we don't know and nobody can really tell us why it did. Because it happened naturally in the end after after seven years of treatment, which didn't ever work. Um, so was suddenly, there a gap between treatment and, and pregnancy? No, we were probably in the process of considering whether we went again or did something different because we had also been considering surrogacy and all sorts of things because right. of the nature of the problems. So we were sort of in the process of do we say goodbye to all of this or do we do we do something else? Mm -hmm. um, and then and then suddenly out of nowhere, we we had had actually one loss in the months before that. That 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 was the only other pregnancy I had had. Right. We had had. 
Um, and then it felt like the world was falling apart when we lost that baby. And then, then so, all of a sudden, um, and, and all of a sudden you were pregnant yeah. again. So a, a scary yeah. time, a nervous time, excited, a bit, a bit of everything, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, exactly, a bit of everything. Uh, I remember we didn't want to say, say anything to anyone until we were well, not even it wasn't even the twelve week mark. We waited even longer than that because we were so oh, right. there was so much trepidation for us around it. And you know, it's a nervous time, but isn't it? But I think for us, it was a particularly nervous time. Yeah. Um, it was hard to it's hard to be excited, I suppose, because we were just so worried. Uh, we didn't want to jinx anything. Yeah, no, understandable. Uh, but I mean, it's changed your and enriched your your life, basically your lives, isn't it? Really, basically having this wonderful little girl. It's, life is different now, yes. Oh, life is is totally totally different. Um, and she's just I do call her wondrous because she we just don't know how she is here and i honestly look at her every day and i it's, it takes just a second to remind myself just how right. how you know how how wonderful she is yeah. and how wonderful well, it is that she's here where did she come know? from <laughs> yeah yeah dropped by the stork maybe who knows <laughs> i know i mean it just doesn't it just prove that science is wonderful and it knows so much i yeah. mean ivf yeah. is a wonderful thing when it works and it is it is it can be miraculous can't it but I think there is still so much that science just doesn't know and can't answer. Um, and, and that's one for us. That's that's the question we can't answer. We don't know why no. suddenly something worked. That's amazing. That is amazing. So as a result, then, you, you, you've decided to, to start this uh, podcast. Um, it's called Making Babies. It is having an effect. I know it's having an effect. It's having an influence on, on, on lots of, of women and, and men and, and, and couples in, in the same situation, if you like. So what was the main reason? Why did you really want to talk? Because at the end of the day, you're quite a private person. Your husband's a private person. Why do you want to sort of talk about this in the open as well? Yes. Uh, yeah, I was always quite against telling the story for telling for the sake of it. You know, I I, I used to read stories in the tabloids um, about people who had suddenly conceived and it would always boil down to in the papers, it would boil down to how many rounds of IVF they'd been through and how much money they'd spent. And I thought, that's not what this is about. There's so many different stories and complexities to this. And, and if that's what we boil it down to, that's what everybody will think it is. Just, you know, it's just about money and it's about how many rounds and it's about, you know, oh, suddenly you get a baby. And it's just so much harder than that and so much more intense yeah. than that. And, and I just wanted to do something that might just normalise the reality of it and get people talking about it a bit more okay. in all sorts of ways. Um, so I thought by doing the podcast, it wouldn't be just about our story. It would be about lots of other people's stories as well. Yeah, so you've brought in guests. Uh, I know you've got people like Gabby Logan uh, in to talk about their experiences, not not only with IVF, but about with other things as well, yes? Yeah, we. I mean, we mainly talk about the fertility side of things, but I hope, like like as you do on the podcast, to keep it chatty and, and as we go along... Um, you know, you find out different things about people as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's largely focused on on the fertility side of it. And is there, a, is there a part of it that, do you try to give advice or is that just, you just talk and then people will take whatever they can out of that, yeah? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, series one, we had a lot of experts on, so there was a bit of advice as well. And we had people on to ask their questions to the experts and that type of thing. So We've done a bit of that but then we've done a little bit of more just sharing because I used to remember when I was going through it and the very few occasions where I'd see someone on television opening up and talking about it I used to get so emotional because it was just that feeling of solidarity that I wasn't alone and somebody else was feeling what I was feeling even though we don't talk about it every day and I thought well maybe that's just all that's needed sometimes you just want to hear yeah. somebody else saying that they've they've felt what you you feel yeah absolutely well we just said talk talking about it talking about you know people didn't need to talk about breastfeeding people didn't need to talk about testicular cancer 
but now they do. And, and I think it's wonderful that you actually talk about this supposedly taboo subject. Do you mind me asking, a, 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 again, a, a very personal question? I hope you don't mind me asking. Is there, would you do, would you have any plans to have any more children because of what you went through? Oh, it's interesting. Um, there's a big part of me that, for me, you know, Jemima is, is just enough because I never thought we'd have her. Um, you know, if, if, we, if something were to happen where where we were blessed with, I, and I kind of hate that word blessed because it sounds like if it doesn't happen for you, you, you don't deserve it or something. But yeah. um, you know, if, if if something happened, then that would be amazing. But you know, like I said, I, I look at her every day, and I'm so grateful that you know she's kind of all my world needs in one respect. <laughs> but but I have read that she's a bit of a daddy's girl. <laughs> Aren't they all? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So, so I mean, with regards to the future, then, with regards to family, as you say, if it happens, it happens, but uh, you don't dwell on it as such. What about future uh, work? Have you written a book, by the way? Or have you been approached? Would you like to write a book about the IVF treatment, about the you know your experiences? There might be something in the pipeline. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> um, but that's come a little bit out of the, of the podcast as well. Again, um sharing sharing other people's stories too so yeah i've got something in mind to, to just try and oh, um, consolidate all of that in some way yeah oh that's really really good so what about um future for 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 work for for career you're very very busy at the moment obviously with itv and, and presenting and anchoring and that kind of thing is there something else you'd like to do in your career would you would you would you like to go producing directing writing or maybe that kind of thing yeah, I think it's you. I think when I came back from my maternity leave, I felt like, you know, I'd had Jemima slightly later maybe than, than other women might have. And I came back and I felt like, oh, but I've still got really half of my career left to, to work. And sometimes you feel like as a woman, you come back after maternity and you think, oh, people might write me off. And I think I don't want to do anything else. And that now I'm a mum kind of thing. So yeah. I was really quite determined that that wasn't going to happen because I wanted to show Jemima that you know you, you she's got to see it to, to be it and know that women are out there doing all sorts of amazing things so I kind of wanted to give her that that example as well so um yeah I, I'm I'm tiptoeing a little bit in uh, putting a toe in the water in the in the producing side of things which I can't say too much about at the moment okay. sort of um behind the scenes um uh and uh, as I said to you I'm a, I'm a trustee of a, of a charity and I, I play a little bit of a non-exec role with the Open University in Wales so um, I'm sort of building up that side of, of things as well, which is quite interesting. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's things that there's things that um, they're always. I feel they're always best when you leave them to sort of organically see where they go in one respect. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I, good to push on doors, isn't it, and see what happens. I, th I think I think you're right. And Jemima's not in school yet, so um, <laughs> no, when, when, going for a while. <laughs> well, no, when she's in school, at four or five, but then it might change again. Who knows? Who knows? Yes, exactly. Who who knows? Indeed, yeah. So. Uh, let's end then. When where do people get hold of yourself when you go to website, which I've taken a lot of information from, by the way. <laughs> uh, where do people get hold of the podcast, first of all? Yes, so that is on all good podcast platforms, as they say. Um, and it's uh, Making Babies. So just search if, you, if, you, if it's Making Babies or Andrew Byrne and it should come up. So yeah, anywhere you get your podcast. But it's, I've got social media platforms which are at Making Babies Pod. So you can find some clips and stuff on there as well. Fine. A lot of people put making babies. It might come up with something else. On I know. That's the thing. I always <laughs> say making babies. A fertility podcast, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. making put, babies with. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Let's let's tell people to do that for goodness sake. Right. Okay. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much. So nice to see you again. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And I appreciate being open and honest uh, about your experiences. I think, uh, you know, you, the way that you're talking about it, so naturally is is it's an influential thing to do you are a, a true influencer in my book so so thank you so so much 
Before I let you go, I'm going to spring one little thing on you again, and I apologise for doing this. I'm going to put you on a desert island for about two <laughs> weeks, okay? You're going to have a break. Lee's going to look after Jemima. You're going to have two weeks on your own. What's the one thing you have to take with you to make life bearable, if you like? Is it allowed to be a recording of Jemima's giggle? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you can have a little device and you can have a recording of Jemima's giggle. Is it is it particularly infectious? or? Oh, it's just heartwarming for me, I think, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and would you cope on this island? Oh, Be probably honest. for five minutes. <laughs> five minutes, maybe. <laughs>